Welcome back to the Youth Bible in One Year, day 90. What is your biggest fear? We're all afraid of something. Some of the most common fears in the world are arachnophobia, a fear of spiders, acrophobia, a fear of heights, and aerophobia, a fear of flying. Whatever our biggest fears are, they can in fact rule our lives if we let them. In the Bible, there are two different kinds of fear, the healthy kind and the unhealthy kind. So what are these two types of fear and how do we manage the unhealthy fears and keep a healthy fear in our lives? Millennials, those born between 1981 and 2000, are sometimes known as Generation Fear. In one of her most popular songs, Lily Allen sings about being taken over by the fear. Fear carries two meanings in the Bible, one healthy, one unhealthy. In the good sense of the word, it's usually used in the context of respect for God and sometimes of respect for people, especially those in authority. In the bad sense, it means to be frightened. We are supposed to fear God in the good sense and not to be frightened of anyone or anything else. Many people live today with the opposite. They don't fear God, but their lives are full of the wrong kinds of fear. How can you overcome your fears? From Psalm 39 So I remained utterly silent, not even saying anything good, but my anguish increased. Everyone is but a breath, even those who seem secure. In vain they rush about, heaping up wealth, without knowing whose it will finally be. But now, Lord, what do I look for? My hope is in you. Hear my prayer, Lord. Listen to my cry for help. Do not be deaf to my weeping. Look away from me, that I might enjoy life again, before I depart and am no more. Be honest about your fears. All of us experience fear. You can try to suppress and deny your fears, or you can be honest and open about them. David comes before God with some burning questions. He's tried being silent and still, but found that his anguish increased when he wasn't communicating with God. He's realized how much of human life is spent in anxiety and fear. However, the brevity of life gives perspective to our anxieties. Life is fleeting. Our lives are but a breath. Fear often concerns money. Human beings bustle about, but only in vain. They heap up wealth, not knowing who will get it. David is particularly concerned about the suffering that he sees around him and in his own life. He cannot understand how God can allow it. He's so incensed by God's actions that he even prays, Look away from me, that I may rejoice again. In the midst of desperation, it's healthy to voice your concerns and grievances to God. God understands that suffering will cause us confusion and grief. He went through the worst of it for us. This psalm does not provide the full answer to those fears about suffering. Yet right at the heart of the psalm, as David lays his fears and anguish and frustration before God, we see that he finds the answer in his relationship with God. David declares to God, My hope is in you. And his prayer at the end is a recognition that he depends completely on God for an answer. Life's too short to worry about stupid things. Pray, trust God, enjoy life. Don't let the little things get you down. Hear my prayer, O Lord. 
Listen to my cry for help. Be not deaf to my weeping. New Testament from Luke 8 Now Jesus' mother and brothers came to see him, but they were not able to get near him because of the crowd. Someone told him, Your mother and brothers are standing outside wanting to see you. He replied, My mother and brothers are those who hear God's words and put it into practice. One day Jesus said to his disciples, Let us go over to the other side of the lake. So they got into a boat and set out. As they sailed, he fell asleep. A squall came down on the lake, so that the boat was being swamped and they were in great danger. The disciples went and woke him, saying, Master, Master, we're going to drown. He got up and rebuked the wind and the raging waters. The storm subsided and all was calm. Where is your faith? he asked the disciples. In fear and amazement, they asked one another, Who is this? He commands even the winds and the water, and they obey him. When Jesus stepped ashore, he was met by a demon-possessed man from the town. When he saw Jesus, he cried out and fell at his feet, shouting at the top of his voice, What do you want with me, Jesus, son of the Most High God? I beg you, don't torture me. For Jesus had commanded the impure spirit to come out of the man. Jesus asked him, What is your name? Legion, he replied, because many demons had gone into him. A large herd of pigs was feeding there on the hillside. The demons begged Jesus to let them go into the pigs, and he gave them permission. When the demons came out of the man, they went into the pigs, and the herd rushed down the steep bank into the lake and was drowned. Then all the people of the region of Gerasenes asked Jesus to leave them, because they were overcome with fear. So he got into the boat and left. The man from whom the demons had gone out begged to go with him, but Jesus sent him away saying, Return home and tell how much God has done for you. So the man went away and told all over the town how much Jesus had done for him. Keep trusting in Jesus. There may be times in your life when fear seems overwhelming. Sometimes, like the COVID-19 pandemic or the horrific war in Ukraine and the resulting cost of living crisis, it comes like the unexpected storm that the disciples experienced. This section starts with an extraordinary combination of intimacy and awe. Jesus says of his followers that those who hear God's word and put it into practice will have an intimate relationship with him. They are his mother and brothers. Intimacy and fear, in the good sense, are not opposites. They complement one another. This is true of the best relationships, whether in marriage, in close friendships, or with parents and children. Extraordinary intimacy is combined with healthy respect. The disciples experienced two different types of fear when they were on the lake with Jesus. When a storm came, they were in great danger. And the disciples were afraid. They woke Jesus and said, Master, Master, we're going to drown. Jesus got up and rebuked the wind and the raging waters. The storm subsided and all was calm. He said to his disciples, Where is your faith? Again, we see the contrast between unhealthy fear and faith. Jesus said to them, Why can't you trust me? The answer to their fear is so simple and yet so hard to put into practice. 
I've found it's a lesson I have to keep relearning. In the midst of your fears, keep trusting Jesus. Keep putting your confidence in him. Sometimes Jesus calms the storm, as he did here. Sometimes he lets the storm rage, and he calms you. The disciples' response to Jesus is one of healthy fear, absolute awe, amazement, and humility in the presence of Jesus. They ask each other, Who is this? Their question is answered by the demon-possessed man whom Jesus heals. Jesus is the Son of the Most High God. When those tending the pigs saw the man healed, sitting at Jesus' feet, dressed and in his right mind, they were afraid, scared to death. They asked Jesus to leave because they were overcome with fear. Too much change, too fast, and they were scared. This was again the wrong kind of fear. They were afraid because they'd lost valuable pigs. What would it be next? They could not see the immense value of one person's life. They rejected Jesus out of fear. But Jesus had no fear of them or anything else. Jesus had an interesting approach to follow up. The man who'd been demon-possessed wanted to go with him. However, Jesus' approach is to get him involved in telling others straight away. He says, return home and tell how much God has done for you. So the man went away and told all over the town how much Jesus had done for him. In encountering Jesus, he'd encountered God. Luke interchanges how much God has done for you and how much Jesus had done for him. Jesus is God. This is why ultimately Jesus is the answer to all our unhealthy fears. Don't be overcome by fear, but overcome your fear with Jesus. Lord, give me a healthy fear, awe, amazement and humility in the presence of Jesus and a faith in him that delivers me from all my unhealthy fears. Old Testament from Numbers 29 to 31 Moses said to the heads of the tribes of Israel, This is what the Lord commands. When a man makes a vow to the Lord, or takes an oath to obligate himself by a pledge, he must not break his word, but must do everything, he said. Fear God and nothing else. The episodes in this Old Testament passage are deeply shocking to our modern ears. Some parts of the Old Testament seem to be very difficult. There are no easy answers to these issues. Sometimes all we can do is hold on to what we know about God's love and goodness and trust that there is an answer even if we do not fully understand it. What we can see in these episodes is that the people of God in the Old Testament had a very healthy fear of God. They did not take access into his presence for granted. They knew that their God of love was a God of justice who takes sin and rebellion very seriously. The key for us as Christians is to interpret all this in the light of Jesus. First, Jesus is the one perfect sacrifice. The decreasing number of bulls sacrificed each day from 13 to 7 to 1 points ahead to a time when no sacrifice would be needed any longer. Jesus, the one perfect sacrifice, abolished the need for any further sacrifices. Second, in Jesus, there is neither male nor female. 
These regulations about vows seem both to try and protect women and discriminate against them. We need to remember that most ancient societies were patriarchal and men were considered the leaders of the family. These regulations were probably therefore designed to protect women in situations where they were prevented from fulfilling a vow they'd made. However, we need to read this through the eyes of the New Testament and in particular through the words of the Apostle Paul that in Christ there is neither male nor female. This passage in Numbers is responding to a cultural context, not establishing a principle about gender. Third, Jesus said, love your enemies. As we read of the vengeance on the Midianites, it's a reminder how seriously God views those who try to lead people away from following him. It appears that the Midianites had deliberately tried to do this, first through sex and then through military opposition. Nonetheless, we must also read this act of judgment through the lens of Jesus who said, love your enemies. The key to all this is the cross. At the cross, we see again how seriously God views sin and the full extent of his judgment. Yet we also see that his ultimate desire is to bless and redeem us all. This transforms our response to passages like this. Paul writes, Do not take revenge. Rather, we are to live lives of love. As St. John writes, There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear. This is the way to overcome your fears. Lord, thank you that there is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out all fear. Help me to love you and not to be frightened of anyone or anything else. Pepper adds, I wouldn't like to pray as David prayed in Psalm 39, asking God to show him his life's end and the number of his days. I would rather choose to trust God that when he takes me home it will be the right time. But I am aware how fleeting life is and how fast it's going. It does make me ask, am I doing all that I should be doing each day? Let's pray. Lord, thank you that I can have a healthy fear of you in my life. I pray today that I would not be fearful, that you would rule my life and I would always be able to look to you as my God and my King. Thank you, Jesus. Amen.